0: Pretty amazing week in the Ingber house. Just a qualifier here if you've never been to Rome, where I talk about my family, and if you're the kind of person that doesn't like rabbis who talk about their personal experience, I want to apologize because I'm going to talk about my personal experience. I know. My son, my youngest son Tal, had a little operation little operation to remove something simple, a little adenoid thing and it just really it, it brought home the, the fragility of these things in our world, so fragile even simple things you know, things that have you know, a doctor says, oh for sure, yeah I do 20 of them a day and as parents of young children you think, thank you So on a week like that, you know, I came home, that was I think Tuesday, and I came home yesterday and see him fully recovered in our small vestibule area of the apartment. And he was doing something that some of you might consider a little bit, I mean, a little dangerous maybe. But I wasn't concerned at all. In fact, I was glowing. I was proud, I was thrilled, I was excited, exhilarated with every swing of that aluminum bat as Ariel <laughs> was pitching the soft hardballs, the soft, you know, and he was swinging for the bleachers and connecting, and the balls were going everywhere, and I was thrilled until, until that sound that I had not heard yet. Um, Elise was, I was on the phone with Elise, and I turned around and said, oh, the glass to the bookcases. <clears throat> and I grew up in an athletic home, so I kind of knew what that sounded like. So the guy, you know, my parents, I could see my parents going, ah you now you get it, you know? Unbelievable. And and the only thing I could think as it was happening was I'm wondering what he's gonna remember because here's a moment, because I could see in his face he was beginning to cry. How many people here have broken things and remembered as a young person crying? Just like I remember being at Bobby Oginski's house and breaking the flower pot and crying as his mother came down. I, remember, I saw it happening and I was thinking to myself, no, 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 this can't happen on my watch. He had the excitement and, and, and power of achievement. He was hitting the ball. It was great on a hard week for him. And whoops, it broke a little glass. Lots of glass. <laughs> Thousands of pieces of glass. <laughs> that feeling of, wow, it's so great. And then pff, everything is going great. And then, uh oh. We have that in our Jewish tradition almost hardwired. In the mystical view of the world and the way that the world was created, we discussed this a little bit this week in Kabbalah, and Jewish mystical classes, God creates the world first with a big vacuum, a big empty space, and then threads light back into the world. And the light somehow is misaligned with the vessels in this mist, and the vessels shatter. People have heard of this called the shattering of the vessels. Shriyat hakelim. And the shards of light-trapped vessels rain down on the earth to be found by all human beings, to disclose, to find the little spark of light inside of those broken, shattered, scattered shards of light, vessels. The ultimate expression of that in the Bible happens tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, around the world, year in and year out, somehow coinciding with an event that will take place to honor stars in the firmament, in the galaxy, in an academy somewhere where they give awards. (laughs) (laughs) This cataclysmic moment, what some have called the original sin of the Torah, right, this huge moment of trauma, of shattering of glass happens as the Israelites are at Mount Sinai having heard the words of the living God. According to some people, some say, like a woman underneath a chuppah, like a married couple who have infidelity, even at the moment of greatest joy, there's a moment of deep rupture. Everything changes in a moment, a primal trauma. And here's the way the Torah describes the slip sliding away the nearer you get to your destination. Here it is. They come down. I'm sorry, they build an eagle as a they build a golden calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain. He sees what has happened. And Moses throws the tablets down. Right, the Mel Brooks moment, I have 15, whoops, (laughs) 10 Commandments. (laughs) And he takes the golden calf. He takes that golden statue. And he burns it in fire. And grinds it until it is dust. And he scatters it on the water. Vayashk Ed Ben Israel, and he, he gives the water to the Israelites to drink. Moses goes to pieces, or rather, he, he turns a number of things into pieces. First, the tablets go to pieces, and then Moses isn't finished. In the very next verse, Moses is not done with the going to pieces, he has to break things. He comes and he takes the golden calf, he burns it and takes the ground dust of the golden calf and throws it into the water. In Rabbi Jessica's mind, this is very beautiful, she said it's like Goldschlager. schlager." <laughs> becomes a drink that is then given to the Israelites, call it a golden smoothie. <laughs> this golden drink. Amazing. This moment, just want to explore with you because it's just so powerful. The Israelites have to drink the calf, the idol that they made. And not just the Israelites who were told, who were involved in the actual making of the idol, the 3,000 or so, but vayashk so, all of the community has to drink this golden smoothie. So a couple of explanations. First one is that it's punishment. right? Here is this golden calf, I'm going to make it into a drink and you have to drink it. Another vision of that punishment is not only is it a punishment but it's also checking who, is the, who are the ones who are involved. So some early commentators say that whoever drank the potion, if they were involved, their beards turned golden and their lips turned golden kind of like a way that an ulcer gets checked out, right? They give you the drink and then they find it. Here's a, a, an x-ray of who was involved in the golden calf. Great. There's another way of looking at it, though. And it connects to the question of why did they have to drink it? One, two, why did everyone have to drink it? And here I think it's something that I'd like to share with you. It's very pertinent for me and for us. A deep distrust has emerged, a rupture. In Eric Erikson's language, a child's first questions are, "Is the world safe?" Is it? Is the world safe?" God wants to know, God wants to check. And Moshe, as a great leader, wants to invite the people back into a relationship of intimacy. It's in this vein that many of the midrashim, the rabbinic commentaries say that the waters here are very similar to the waters of the woman or of the married woman who is tested to see if she is adulterous or not, the sota. Essentially, there is a marital break. A relationship has broken. There is something that has gone awry. And God wants to know or I should say Moshe, not God, but Moshe wants to know if the people realize that they can regain the trust of God. If they are willing to drink their mistake. If they are willing to take the mistake in and metabolize the mistake. If they're willing to drink, the mistake means, will you bring that mistake that moment of rupture and make it a part of your life? Will it fuel you? Will you remember it in different moments? Will you bring it to light? Will you remember your mistake in a way that will fuel greater intimacy? Will you use this fall to create a greater height that you will reach, a greater depth that you will find in your relationship? Moses says, just like a a married couple has to learn to find trust again, you too will find trust again if you drink it, if you digest it, if you metabolize it, drink it. It won't taste good. It's gonna hurt when it's going down. It's sharp. But your mistake might be what will give you the fuel for your future greatness. There's also this piece. Who is responsible for this mistake? Is it only you? Or is there a culture, is there a milieu in which that mistake arises? Is it just the 3,000 people? It's so easy to point fingers right now in our country at so many things that are golden calf-esque. It's so easy at this moment to look at our broken systems and point fingers and say, how crazy are those guys? But can we as a community, as Va'yashk B'nei Israel, as all of the Israelites had to drink this, regardless of who was involved in the Golden Calf episode, each and every one of them had to say, you know something? In a world where golden globes and golden statues abound and people pay a lot of money to go be entertained on a weekly basis, is it so shocking to us that reality TV has become politics? Is that so shocking to us? It is shocking, I'm not shocked, I'm shocked that I'm not as shocked as I should be. I want to ask myself, how am I participating in the golden calf of this country? I want to ask myself, how am I contributing to the golden calf in my family, in my community? I want to ask, I also have to drink it, Moses says, because Moses is a good teacher. If only 3,000 people drink it, that's not their punishment. We all have to take responsibility. It's my fault that Tali is swinging a baseball bat inside of my apartment, isn't it? He's just pointing something out to me. So here's the question for each and every one of us. How is it that we metabolize our mistakes? Do our mistakes become memories that impede our progress? Do we come back to it over and over again in a repetition compulsion that never ends? Or is there some way that we can ingest a golden calf and signal to ourselves that the power lies within us, that's where it all began? The golden calf was inside. We drink the golden calf as if Moses is saying, you know something, you know how you built the golden calf? Because it was right there in your belly to begin with. The golden calf that you created outside of you, it started in your belly. So we come back to this story year in and year out. And we read about the golden smoothie. And we remind ourselves that when there are cataclysmic moments, when there are traumas small and large, There are ways that we can work with it. We can soften, we can bring it closer to ourselves. We can do the difficult thing which is to drink it and try in some way, shape or form to have it move through us and to fuel our lives. That's the work. So the next time you see somebody swinging a baseball bat, the next time you hear of some rupture in some place, Be Moshe Rabbeinu. Be a little Moses and say, how can I make this into a good golden smoothie for you so that you can get the energy that you need from it? And as we move forward as a country, I want to bless each and every one of us that when we hear things that are being said about golden calves, and there are plenty, let's be those who first and foremost drink from that golden smoothie and say, where are we in this story to? And what can we do small and large in order to lower... The system that values golden calves. The system that values golden calves. That's good work, everyone. I bless you that you'll be able to do it, and bless me too that we can have the strengths